The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There came to Jesus some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children, and the second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. Afterwards the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are accounted worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die any more, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed, in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. And some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. The Gospel of the Lord. So we're still within that time of Holy Week. So the Lord has been now, um, uh, we've jumped a little bit ahead from after the cleansing of the temple. Uh, There was a couple, a few interactions between him and the Sadducees prior to this. The Pharisees have just, uh, um, the Pharisees have just come to him and asked him the question about the tribute coin. Then they've come with the Herodians and the Lord's just dismissed the uh, Pharisees with his wisdom, with his, of his answer. And now the Sadducees, seeing that he has also silenced the Pharisees again, they come to try another time. And so they come in to uh, the Lord, and they come with a question with regards to the resurrection. And their question is somewhat ridiculous, even as you read through it, right? So you're reading through this question and this scenario that they've invented. They couldn't even bring him a real situation. They have to create uh, a situation that doesn't exist. And they ask him this question about... uh, this woman, and if you know she's married all seven of these brothers, and, uh, and then what happens to her when they are all raised from the dead? Whose wife is she? And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, just for a bit of historical context, um, they kind of came into existence as two different sects within the Jewish faith uh, about in the year kind of 200 BC, right? So from that time, and it is tied in with what happened after the Maccabean martyrs. And so after the Maccabean martyrs, and the, uh, what you have is this question of resurrection uh, arose amongst the people is to, with regards to the resurrection of the dead. And so the Pharisees, uh, in conformity with at least the Pharisees in terms of belief, held uh, a belief in the resurrection, but the Sadducees did not. And one of the things also that was typical of the Sadducees was that they also didn't accept Uh, some of the other books in terms of the scriptural books. So they accepted the Torah, the five books of Moses, 
but they didn't accept the other prophets as being authoritative. So they didn't accept the prophet Isaiah, Ezekiel, the Psalms. Uh, they didn't accept these things as being or having any authority. And so uh, they come with a question with regards to the authority that they accept, which is Moses. And they say to the Lord, as they interpret Moses, um, that they interpret Moses as having explicitly taught that there was no resurrection. And so this is part of the problem, is that um, they have differing understandings in terms of what is authoritative and what is uh, enough in terms of authority for teaching, specifically on uh, liturgical or the worship within the temple. So that was particular to the Pharisees. But then with regards to the Sadducees, it's normally with regards to moral issues or interpretations of the law. And so they don't recognize the same authority, which is why you have this split between these two groups, which becomes this very polarized um, uh, dispute between them over many things. And so they become these two opposing groups. Uh, unfortunately, I think we see the same thing in the church today. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting that what happens is, is that both the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they end up, even though they are opposed to each other, they end up falling into the same error. And so what St. Bede says is St. Bede says that uh, at this time, the time of Christ, there were two heresies present, two main heresies present amongst the Jewish people, and that was the heresy of the Pharisees, which was the fact that they placed all of the righteousness in the interpretation of their traditions, right? So they saw uh, the righteousness of their traditions. And then he says um, that the, er the heresy of the Sadducees uh, whose name means righteous in a certain sense, uh, they presented themselves as something which they were not, right? So it is almost a heresy of hypocrisy in a certain sense. But the problem is, is that they both end up making the same mistake, which is that they reject the ultimate authority, which is Christ himself. And so they both fall into the same error. And I think we can see uh, an example of this even today. If you think of how um, uh, I think after a certain period of history, we have in recent times the way in which the church is now discerned according to political terms. I think that that's something that's kind of crept into the church to describe certain what are kind of religious or theological uh, beliefs or understandings. And generally, it's also with regards to authority within the church. And so you can see what is termed by some, although I don't like the terms, uh, conservative or ultra-traditionalist. And you've got on the other side this kind of ultra-liberal movement. And so I think that the ultra-traditionalist movement could be represented by the Pharisees in a certain sense when it gets to a certain point where it rejects any authority outside of its own traditions and its interpretation of those traditions. And then you've got on the opposite side, which I think is that more liberal side of things, which I think can be associated with the, Pharise the Sadducees in a certain sense, uh, which is this uh, desire to interpret moral issues according to the way in which they understand the Scriptures. And so you can see this kind of uh, a certain liberal agenda which seeks always to change moral issues, right? And we see that in the church in recent years particularly. And so I think that the problem, though, with both of those kind of extremes is that they end up falling into the same error because on both ends of the spectrum, they reject papal authority. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. They reject legitimate authority. And so they take that authority to themselves and they end up falling into the same error even though they are completely opposed to each other, which is somewhat ironic. But I think as well, and that's why I think it's such a grace here in this place, where you have so many martyrs who died for the sake of union with legitimate authority, in terms of the authority that Christ himself wills for his church, 
which is that authority of the magisterium and the papacy. And that's why I think part of the work here, which, is, which still continues and which is so important, especially for the church today, is that work of that prayer for unity with the Holy Father. And so I think that it helps to then eradicate these extremes to which we can kind of fall into, which we saw in a certain sense present at the time of Christ, which I think unfortunately have crept back into the church in a certain sense. And I think that the remedy is always that acceptance and the humble acceptance of what is legitimate authority as established and willed by God himself. And so what you see here is the Sadducees, they come, as is often the case with those who want a change in moral teaching of the church. They desire a change in moral teaching. They normally have to invent stories and say, okay, well, what happens if someone, this happens to them, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then what do you do? And they think that they have presented something uh, which is the wrong way to argue moral issues. You can't argue a moral issue from a particular instance. You can't say, well, because it happens here in this particular instance, therefore now this becomes universal law. You can't do that. That's a logical fallacy. You have to take a universal law, which are the laws that we take from God himself, and then we take those universal laws and apply them to particular circumstances. Then you don't fall into logical fallacies. And so that's the way in which God directs his people. He gives us commandments. He gives us these commandments and eventually the two great commandments of love. Then he gives us a teaching authority by which these commandments can be further articulated and understood and given to the people. And then the people can live according to these commandments of God. And so what happens here is that they come with this ridiculous scenario and situation. But the Lord then, what he does is he returns them to the authority that they will accept, and then he shows that he is the one ultimately who is the giver of the law and the one who understands it and the one who teaches it perfectly. And this capacity to teach and understand the law properly is then what he gives with regards to the keys to Peter, right? The keys are that capacity to interpret properly the law of God. And so he uses the authority they will accept. He says, well, even Moses teaches on the resurrection. And so they will accept this authority. And then he shows how even in the words of Moses, when Moses encounters the Lord, the Lord reveals himself as not I was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And so what in that statement, you cannot be God to someone who is dead. In order to be their God, they must be living. And so the Lord uses these words from the authority that they will accept to show that there is a resurrection. And this eventually silences the Sadducees. They no longer come to him with any questions because he has completely overthrown all of their arguments. Unfortunately, they still will not convert. And so what happens is that even though the scribes are amazed at the Lord and his interpretation, they say, teacher, you have spoken well. They are beginning to open up to the wonder of Christ and his teaching power. Um, and then it says, but they no longer dared to ask him any question. And so unfortunately is that a lot of them don't convert. Uh, they still stay within their own kind of ideology that they have created, and they will not allow Christ to break into their hearts. Um, so we continue to pray ourselves, and we pray for our church, uh, that the church will be freed from what is kind of man-made divisions within the church, these divisions that pull on either extreme in an attempt to separate from legitimate authority. We pray for unity within the church, unity amongst those who follow Christ, uh, and mutual charity as well. That is that first sign of proper Christian life, right? 
they will know you are Christians by your love, your love and your charity for one another. And so we pray for a return of that charity and a return of that unity and a return especially of that unity with the Magisterium and the Holy Father. Amen.